As an eight-year helicopter pilot for the U.S. Army and now wife to a man in active duty, toting two darling kids all over the United States and sharing her journey every step of the way, Amy Lou Hawthorne is an American sweetheart who has stolen the hearts of many of my current listeners and followers. I recently asked on Instagram stories for suggestions of people to interview for Veterans Day who were either in the armed forces themselves or married to someone in active duty, and Amy Lou Hawthorne was the overwhelming favorite and most suggested out of anyone. I was delighted to find out that not only is she an army wife who understands the struggle of having a spouse away on active duty, but she herself also served in the military for eight years as a helicopter pilot. Amy shares candidly her ups and downs of being in the military, the leadership lessons she learned, how it's affected her marriage and her children as she's raised them through several deployments, and most importantly, she educates me on how to better serve and understand and appreciate those who sacrifice so much to make our country safe. I'm so thankful so many of you pointed me to her, and I really think you're going to love this interview. All right, today, you guys, I have a guest that you requested, and not just requested once, but she was the most requested guest when I brought up the the topic of Veterans Day coming up. And I said to my audience, I really want to interview someone who has some meaningful background in either being in the military or being married to someone in the military. And Amy Lou Hawthorne checks off both of those boxes. And she has an absolutely beautiful Instagram feed, the most darling kids, really such a talent for interior design. There's so many things I admire about her, but I'm really excited to dig into this topic with her today. So Amy, will you introduce yourself to everyone, please? Yes. Well, first off, thank you to you and to everybody that follows Mint Arrow and to anybody that listens to the podcast. I, when you sent me the message and said that I was the most requested, I was, I try to be a very humble person. So it was kind of like, that's eh, weird. Um, but I am so humbled and grateful to even have my name mentioned once, let alone more than once. So thank you to anybody that suggested me that follows my page. I'm um, very grateful for you. So I am Amy, Amy Lou, um, Amy Lou Ferris, Amy Lou Hawthorne, whatever you want to call me. Um, I started Instagram per se about seven or eight years ago. And that's kind of how my platform came to be. Um, I started doing Bible journaling for anybody that's like, OG Amy, I just started getting very connected through scriptures and started journaling them in my Bibles. And that's kind of what created my Instagram page. And then I think people were just, yeah. And then I think people were just really like intrigued that this army helicopter pilot was journaling in her Bible. So that's kind of how my two worlds collaborated and clashed. Mm -hmm. I was just a very girly, um, crafty, creative army pilot. And so the worlds collided and I started the Instagram page and I'm, I've been through a lot in my life, which I know we will get into. And I've been through a lot of trials with my marriage and with motherhood. And I just try to share all of those very transparent, raw, real moments with my community. And I hope and pray that the people that are there following the page can fill that. And that's kind of where I am now with the platform. Um, We recently started a business called the Everco, where we inspire other families to make memories and create traditions with their families. So I now do that on the side and I am now out of the army and being a wife, doing those two things and raising my two little girls. So awesome. And your husband is still in active duty, right? He is. is. Yep. He is. Yeah. He is still an active duty pilot. And do you want me to kind of tell you like how 
I got into the army, like a little bit about that. I would, yes, I would love that. And just to preface this too, I thought this was so cool. So when I reached (laughs) out to Amy, I said, you know, this is what I asked for within my community. And so many people suggested you as an army wife. And I would love to hear your story and your perspective. And she wrote back with the tear emoji and said, (laughs) this means so much to me because not only am I married to someone in the armed forces, but I also served too. And I thought that was so cool. So yes, I want to hear the whole story, how that even became a thing for you, how you met your husband. Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, it was it was just so cool. I just really feel like the start of the line. So ultimately, I'm from Fort Knox, Kentucky, which is a really small military base in Kentucky. And I grew up in and around the army. It's really all I know. My dad served for 30 years. And so I lived breathed, ate, slept it like all the time growing up. And I was always so intrigued by how much diversity I was surrounded by and how Mm -hmm. much there was a cultural melting pot around me. Um, I met so many people from around the, not only the United States, but around the entire world, which I thought was just such a blessing to myself as such a young girl to be able to see that. Um, Especially coming from a small community in Kentucky. I don't know had I not been around that, that I would have been open to that. So I was very grateful for that. So that was kind of my first taste of army life. Like, wow, you get to be around a lot of cool people from different places. And Mm then I also saw the, one of the harder parts of the army life or just, and and I'm going to use the term army loosely that, that involves all military branches. I'm just most familiar with army. Um, I saw people constantly moving there and moving away and talk about like resiliency. And that is one common trait that anybody in the military is very fond of because you have to build up this resiliency at such a young age. And I have such a passion for little kids that are um, part of military families because you just, you meet friends, you make friends, and then you move a year later and it's so hard. So I was, I was very Mm -hmm. open to that. And I saw that, and it was just a really cool aspect that I, that I saw and appreciated at a young age. And then I was a freshman in high school and 9-11 happened. And I think people always talk about like their calling and when they had that moment that they realized they needed to do something. I truly, at that time, I felt, I felt the calling. I felt it. I heard it. I sensed it. Like I knew that I needed to serve in the military. And so 9-11 was what ultimately drove me towards the decision to join ROTC in college. I did ROTC at which is uh, a reserves officer training corps for um, becoming an officer in the military. And I did it at Seton Hall University in New Jersey for a couple of years. And then I transferred down to Auburn University in Alabama to finish out my ROTC career. And ultimately at my senior year, I didn't, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I was getting a math degree from college and I was like, I can't really do math stuff in the army. Like, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I looked at my bosses, for lack of better terms, my leaders, my leadership at the time. And I said, okay, this is how I'm going to decide what I'm going to do in the army. What is the coolest thing a chick can do in the army? And at that time in 2010, they looked at me and they said, be a helicopter pilot. And I said, sign me up. So that was really how I became a helicopter pilot in the army. And it's funny because so many friends that also went the aviation route, they dreamt of being a pilot their whole lives. And then to hear me just like on a whim. Yeah. Sounds cool. Sign me up. So that's really how I became a helicopter pilot. I did, did well in RTC and, um, was essentially able to choose what I wanted to do. And that's what I did, which ultimately led me to 
Army flight school where I met my husband. He was also a helicopter pilot at the time we met. And here we are eight years later. Wow. Married. (laughs) That's so cool. And I want to go back to, I didn't want to interrupt you because it was, um, what you were saying was so awesome, but (laughs) you talked about that moment that you felt called. Yeah. Um, with nine 11, I got chills like that is so cool that that was such a meaningful, that you took something that was, you know, a really dark, tragic thing that our nation went through and turned it into something that inspired you for the entire course of your life. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that so much. So tell me what that was like. Was it like Top Gun, what they show? (laughs) (laughs) What is it like being in the, you know, being in the Army? Okay. So if somebody were to ask me what I wish I had known prior to joining, because I think ultimately, like through my Instagram platform, I get a lot of messages from young girls and guys that Mm -hmm. want to join. They don't know you know what they want to know the real stuff and they know that I'm going to be honest with them. They know that I'm going to tell them. And this is generally what I tell them because it's something that I, as a young 23, I'm 32, 33. I always forget my age. I don't know. I'm, I'm around 33 right, right now. I was, I, I was around 24 at the time. And, you know, going to fly helicopters in the army. And, um, I wish somebody had told me how much my insecurities were really going to come to light. And I say mm. that because, I, the, the military, and this kind of goes for like military branches, government branches, law enforcement officer branches. It's, it's very different than civilian occupations in that you have to compete and excel past your peers and progress if you want to stay in that occupation. And this is not a, oh, we're better. That's not what I'm trying to get. What I'm trying to say is that in most civilian jobs, if you are happy and content with the job title, duty, description, whatever that you're at at that moment, you are more than welcome to stay there. And you just Mm -hmm. may not, you know, become the CEO of that company. You may not get a raise, whatever. But if you're happy in that position, for the most part, in most occupations, you're not going to be forced to, you know, go up in ranks in that job. The military, though, if you want to stay in, you have to make the next rank. You have to continue to excel. You have to outperform your peers. You have to be a shining star. And for me, that was extremely hard because I am not a, I don't like competition unless it's Mm -hmm. like sports, then I will throw some bows (laughs) and I will get down. But in like life, I'm not a, I'm going to outperform you so that I can, get make the boss happy kind of thing and that's so much of the military on the the developmental side is about is about excelling so that you can make the next rank and it's not to say that that's bad or wrong because that's just how it is they want good leaders in positions to be able to lead soldiers onto the front lines to you know go to war and to keep our nation free and and those are all good things it's just it brought so many insecurities of mine to to my forefront. I, I'm, I'm not a spotlight kind of girl. And it, it made me realize that it's okay to, to want to be the best you. And it doesn't have to be about competition. It's about kind of being the best yourself. So I'm grateful that the army taught me to do that. And it, it brought so many insecurities out of me and it made me a more confident and stronger person, which I have now carried those lessons into marriage and motherhood and 
being on social media and being a business owner. And I'm so grateful for those. The other thing that it did was I am not a very confrontational person either. I Mm -hmm. shy away from confrontation. I shy away from having to like, I I don't know, just address anything that's kind of, and you can't do that in the military. You know, I was a leader. I was an officer and I had to stand in front of soldiers and tell them when they were doing wrong and put them in their place. And that was not something that I was prepared for going into the military, especially as a a soft-spoken young girl. It's just not something that I had um, been molded to do. So that was another challenge for me that Again, in hindsight, I'm so grateful because it gave me thicker skin. It gave me thicker skin. I mm-hmm. feel more able to address situations when they come in front of me that I necessarily wasn't going to be faced with. So, those are two things that I, especially when young females approach me, because that's generally who it is. I think my following is like 98% females, and right. generally when they come to me and they say, you know, I want to go in the army. What do I expect? Those are the two things because that's that. Those are common, you know insecurities and things that we're scared of as young girls, especially going into me going into aviation, it was a male dominant branch. And I just had to face those. And I'm so grateful that the army taught me to not be scared of competition and to be more confident and to be able to uh, confront situations when I needed to. Mm -hmm. So those are on the, on the developmental, like the emotional developmental side, those are two things that I really learned and I appreciated from the army on the. That's not- fascinating. I would not have guessed either of those things. And I would love to hear a little bit more about the leadership aspect, because I you're totally right. Leadership demands confrontation. There's no yeah. getting around it if you're if you're going to lead people. So how did you did you have men that you were leading that you had to that you were in those situations where you had to have difficult conversations and how did you grow into that? Yeah. Oh, I, I can't even count the number of times that I was put into those situations. You know, I think ultimately what it came down to is I realized it was more about our organization. It was more about our country than it was myself. And once I let go of those personal insecurities and realized that the development of this soldier that I am leading could positively or negatively affect our unit or, you know, his or her service to our country. When I made it more about the bigger picture, I was able to step back and say like, Amy, suck it up. You know, this is your profession and kind of make myself tougher. And and that was what I had to do. The, the other thing is just like in most organizations, you have, your more technical experts, people that have been there a long time, done a lot, seen a lot. And one really cool aspect about the military is you have enlisted soldiers and non-commissioned officers who are, and warrant officers in the aviation branch who are just so incredibly intelligent and smart at what they do. And they've, for the most part, been there longer than a lot of the officers that go through West Point or ROTC, they've they've seen a lot more, they've done a lot more, they have a lot more experience. And I learned to lean on them and to trust their wisdom and their advice. And that helped me grow so much. And they were generally, honestly, they were kind of like father figures to me because they were generally like twice my age males. And they shaped me and molded me. I needed those male role models. 
um, mm-hmm. to, to make me better. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for them throughout the military service that I did. Very cool. So they really led by example. And oh, a hundred percent. Took after that. Hundred percent. That's really cool. Um, is there anyone that stands out to you? Like, is there like a one particular person that you feel like was a role model to you or a mentor that you think back fondly on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of going into the non-commissioned officer that I was that I'm speaking of. I mean, his his picture came into my mind when I was saying that it was first Sergeant Joel Green. I was um, commanding Delta Troop 46 Cav in, we were in Korea at the time. We, I flew Kiowa Warriors, which was a scout helicopter. It's the OH-58 Delta Kiowa Warrior, which is now no longer in the army, which is what ultimately made me get out because um, I just didn't want to fly anything else. And I had been going through a very rough time in my marriage and um, my husband and I, we, this is the other thing that he and I, my husband and I were both in at the time. Dual military is very, very hard and people don't often talk about it. And all those insecurities that I was talking about, like we were both facing them and we were both having to try and outperform and succeed and do our best at work that we were so drained when we got back home that we didn't have enough to pour into our own marriage. And we were going through a really, really hard time. And for Sergeant Green, man, he not only did he like keep me strong and sane, like as a commander and as an officer and as a leader, but he cared so much about my home life. And that is something that I took with me through the rest of my military career because I was so lucky to have him at the very beginning of my career that yeah we go through so much at work and people we have such a demanding job being that we are defending the country it's it there's so much pressure and weight with that that I think oftentimes people like think that it's just like robotic. And then we forget that we're actually humans and we have feelings and emotions and there's stuff that's going on at home outside of work. And he cared so much. So that was something that I really took on with me throughout my military career. And I always tried so hard to care about my soldiers' families and who they were outside of the uniform and not just at the workplace. That's really cool. And I really think that that's a skill of a good leader that really can translate into any career or church organization or even like a community, school, anything like that. People who, you know, people are people at the end of the day. So absolutely, that's, that's such a cool thing that you took from one of your leaders. to segue into marriage because you brought that up a little bit and at the beginning of the interview and then just now too so tell me how uh, military life has affected your marriage for good and bad yeah Um, because it sounds like there's some resiliency that's happened there but also some tough times that might be kind of unique to military families so let's get into that yeah I going back to like what advice I'd give to somebody who's wanting to join whenever a spouse or 
not even a spouse, you know, a newly engaged couple, whatever, somebody that's going to be joining into the military world that is not familiar with it. I, cause I get a lot of those messages too, from new mm-hmm. military wives or new military husbands. Like, this is so crazy. Like, what do I expect? He's already been, she's already been gone, you know, two weeks and we just got married, you know, they missed my honeymoon. They missed my daughter's birthday, whatever. Um, that's a very common question I have. And I, I, I tell them all the time that it is like sucking water out of fire hose when you first join. It is so different than Mm -hmm. anything else you will have ever done if you've never been around it. Again, I'm so fortunate to have been around it my whole life. So I kind of knew what to expect getting in. And then I served, obviously, which made me really know what to expect being a wife. But when I tell my friends to remember that it it, it kind of goes into like law enforcement, firefighters, a lot of the government positions are the same way. It's not medical professionals. A lot of them are in the same. It's not a nine to five job, church pastors, even it's not a nine to five Mm -hmm. job. And I think a lot of times people just think of jobs and this is very blanket statement jobs as nine to five. And specifically about the military, it's not, we generally leave around four or five in the morning and go to physical training to go work out with our soldiers. And then if we get home at six, seven o'clock, we still get phone calls and emails throughout the evening. We're working on the weekends. If a soldier gets arrested or is in the hospital or their wife gets pregnant, you're having to send up reports. Like it is a 24 seven job. And that takes such a toll on marriages. And if you're not mentally prepared for that, I am such an advocate for premarital counseling, period, but especially for military families, because if you are not prepared for the extra hours, all you're going to see is your significant other on the phone during dinner time because they're having to send up a report to their boss when it's not that they're, it's not that they're like trying to avoid dinner. Like sometimes like that stuff is very critical because ultimately then that that soldier could be a detriment to the unit, then they can't deploy, you know, there, there's so many second, third order effects. It's, it's a big family. Like we always talk about in the military, our military family, you know, is not just as important, but is, is a family too. And we have to take care of each other 24 um, seven. So a lot of that work stuff pours over into family life, which again, can have such a negative impact on family life if you're not ready for it. So early on, um, Blake and I are both type A driven people and we wanted to do well. And and we're both of us are kind of the same. We don't like competition. We don't like being in the spotlight. And when we realize, you know, how much we do have to perform in order to excel and exceed, like it just, it took everything out of us and we would come home and we weren't giving anything to each other. It was just, we, and then we would carry our military issues into the home and we would talk about it there. And they, mm-hmm. like any of our great, great, good leaders have told us, like, don't do that. If anything, a lot of, one of the best advice that they always give us is to take off your uniform before you get back home so that you're kind of like stepping out of that military mode, because it is a different, mm-hmm. you're very hard charging, like go do this, go do that. And then you have to come home and be all loving and make dinner and, and it's a sacrifice on on both aspects. The the service member, speaking for myself and my husband, we have to also realize where our priorities lie. And um, my 
my favorite leaders have always told me to uh, that the, the people we serve with in the military won't be there for us, you know, 50, 60 years from now, but our family will. And so yeah. it, it really comes down to the service member themselves making their marriage and their family a priority. Ultimately, you got to communicate like it's, it's going to just be a constant battle and circle of fighting if there's no communication about an expectation management about, hey, I'm going to be gone this weekend, or I'm going to be on the phone 24 seven this weekend, um, handling some serious situations with my with my soldiers. And um, that that will make things easier. But Oh, it's so hard. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into like deployments because that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother piece to the pie. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about it right now. So I've always been curious what that's like, like, how do you keep, what what's your yeah. best advice or what, or give us even just, even for someone like me, I don't think that Neil or I will ever be in the military, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I still want to understand so much of what Mint Arrow Messages is about is giving people understanding of situations that they aren't experiencing so that they can like, so we all want to be better. We want to yeah. be better at being compassionate, being understanding, being grateful, especially for people who are protecting our country. So what is that like? So... <laughs> My second daughter, Hadley, was a high-risk pregnancy for me, and my husband was overseas the entire time. And then I ended up having her with him on – he was on Skype on the computer next to me. And I will always be so grateful for technology giving me that, Mm -hmm. but it will forever be, I guess, like my my biggest reminder at the sacrifices that our service men and women make. And it's hard for me because I was, I was still in at that time. And I guess I didn't appreciate it then because like, I get it. It's that's, you know, that's our life. We were constantly away from each other, but now being on this side and having our two girls and them having to say bye to daddy so much. And like, that's really, really hard. And I think it's probably one of the biggest things that our society takes for granted. We, I think like the news and Ellen and and whatever, they glorify homecomings of when our servicemen and women come back from service, serving overseas. And don't get me wrong. It is a beautiful moment to know that your husband or wife or son or daughter or father or mother came back safely from serving mm-hmm. overseas. But after that initial homecoming wears off, it is really, really, really hard because it's kind of like a mission trip. I'm sure um, it's it's like you're inviting a stranger back into your house. Routines mm-hmm. have changed. Kids have grown up. Uh, you know, school life has changed. Work life has changed. Laundry situations have changed. So much has changed in the house, and then you bring this person who's been gone for nine months, twelve months, eighteen months back into your home and. It's like, okay, let's live together again. That is really, really, really hard on military families. And that's another huge thing that I try and share with people that are new to the military life or just want to understand a little bit more that I think it's it's just seen as being so picturesque whenever family members come back from serving overseas. And it's actually a lot of times just the opposite. It's really hard getting reintegrated. And the military does such a good job of reintegration training. 
-hmm. they send these soldiers and then they offer it up to family members as well. They send the soldiers through a lot of reintegration training to make sure that, I mean, let's be honest, they see here do a lot of things that are probably not natural and normal and things and not things right. that they would see here do, you know, on in the States. And so to have to not only internalize and deal with that emotionally for themselves, but then to bring that weight that they're carrying back into the home is, and then here I am, and this is just personally, here I am like, okay, you're back, like do the dishes, like help me with the laundry, you mm-hmm. know, and they're over there, like, you know, like, let me kind of unwind. I just did get back. Just trying about to decompress. All stuff that I, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's so many battles from both sides. And what I can say, like, I get asked a lot from my community, like, what can I do? And that's just it. I, if you have a military family within your community, if you're great, if you're lucky enough to be, you know, within an hour or two of a military base. So if I didn't have a girlfriend reach out to me when I was pregnant and having Hadley without Blake home, I wouldn't have asked for help because we, I think it's so accustomed to constantly moving and being in new communities and not really having anybody that mm-hmm. it's really hard to ask for help. And that's, that's my biggest advice is just ask somebody who is in a military family if they need any help. And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, they will say with open arms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. I mean, Thank you for sharing all of that, first of, of all, because it's really tender. And I was tearing up when you were talking about, um, you know, having your second baby, because the, those are moments that you you don't repeat in life. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so, so grateful for just for you sharing that and then I'm also just thinking about all the sacrifices that people make. Yeah. Um, so I love what you're talking about, offer to help. So what are some of the things that you think are the most helpful? Because my mom's really good. She's always been good at teaching me to not say, let me know if you need anything. Uh-huh. But instead to say, I'm bringing dinner over this week. What night yeah, would you like yeah. it? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, I love that. I'd like to take your kids this one afternoon. What would be good for you? Like is Wednesday or Friday or whatever. I you know? love that. So what do you think is most helpful to military families? So – it's really easy for people come Veterans Day to say happy Veterans Day. It's really easy for people around Memorial Day to honor and memorialize the incredible men and women who have unfortunately and so sadly given their lives to, you know, defend our country. Those are, those are things that I think people almost feel obligated to do, but what's not easy is, doing those things 24 seven. And that is one thing that I like try to preach, preach, preach through my platform is that this military life is a daily thing for, and and this translates into like law enforcement officers and firefighters and everybody in this hero world that, that I just have such a passion for. And so my first encouragement to people is to really try and do those things year round to not just wait for those quote unquote holidays, which I, Mm -hmm. I hate referring to Memorial day as a holiday um, because it, it really is such a somber day for so many gold star families who have lost somebody in their, in their lives. So that's, that's one thing that I really try and push for is 
to, to really honor our servicemen and women all year long. The second thing is I love what you just said. And one thing that is huge within the military community are meal trains. And um, mm, anytime, cool. yeah, anytime a service member uh, has a baby or is out of work for a couple days or, or if there's a heart event in their life, if they got really sick, got in a car accident, whatever, we really try to rally around them and start meal trains. So that's, that's a really good way that kind of like what your, or your mom said, it's kind of like they're forced into accepting it and you just, they right. have to, you know, accept the calendar invite and then they're just getting meals taken to their doorsteps. I do, however, understand that not everybody is fortunate to, enough to be around the military base. So there's so many other things, whether it's going to a local Veterans Day parade with Veterans Day approaching, whether it's, you know, going to a memorial ceremony around Memorial Day and honoring the fallen men and women, um, fire or 4th of July, celebrating independence. You know, there's so many events that honor servicemen and women that um, I think people can look into outside of just doing those day-to-day -day things. And I think those mm -hmm. are incredible as well. There's also so many organizations, Wounded Warrior Project, Red, White, and Blue is another one. We, through the Everco, have a nonprofit called Mission 31, and it is our way of giving back to the military community who we feel have given us so much. And I don't like to share the numerical value of what we've donated. And Michael, this is very silly of me to quote Michael Jordan right now, but Michael Jordan once said, <laughs> give because you care, not because you want people to know. So we constantly give monetary donations to other military families who are going through uh, situations or who have a kid in the hospital or whatever. So there's, there's a lot of military organizations that um, people can donate to is another option. But yeah, I just, I, I guess ultimately just kind of doing it year round and not just around the quote unquote holidays is I'm very passionate about that. That's really cool. And, you know, you gave a lot of really good suggestions too. Um, I want to ask you, yeah, because we kind of brushed on something that has come up for me before. And it's tricky because I have a deal blog. So yeah. Anytime there's, anytime there's a quote unquote holiday, yeah. there's lots of sales. Yeah. So yeah, every yeah. year around Memorial Day, post about the Memorial Day sales. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's just part of what we do as a business. Yeah. yeah. And I can't really control, you know, when those sales happen or whatever. Yeah. But I do I I would like to hear your opinion. And I know you don't speak for everyone. Yeah, yeah. But where you feel like what your opinion is of where the sensitivity should lie on holidays like that and um, how people can be better about being thoughtful to people who are, who that's a really hard day for. And let me get, I want to insert one other question. Sorry yeah. to make this no, a little, no. a little <laughs> tricky, but you know, my family, my husband lost a brother this year. Yeah. He was murdered and oh um, it was really obviously really, really oh, hard. I'm so and sorry. My, yeah, oh. it was it was hard, you know. And then my brother has all my brother, my husband has also lost another brother to suicide when yeah. uh, when my husband was thirteen. Oh. So Memorial Day is a big deal to my mother in law to go yeah. Yeah, honor yeah. those sons and put things on their grave. And somebody wrote me kind of a nasty message about like this isn't about just regular people who have passed away, and this yeah. this should only be for people who have earned Memorial yeah. Day. 
And I was kind of like, I don't know that I'm going to go to my mother-in-law and say, this isn't appropriate for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of these people on a day that to her, that's that's a day that she remembers yeah. them. So yeah. what are all of your thoughts on how we can be thoughtful and um, respectful, but also what's appropriate? Yeah, no, I love this question. I actually don't think I've ever, I have very strong, I think, opinions on it, but I don't think I've ever addressed it. So thank you for giving me the voice to even share my thoughts on it. So I, on, on the first question, um, about like the sales and stuff, I too am Mm -hmm. a, um, blogger and I too do a lot of linking and try to find deals and sales. Like I preach about affordability and finding Mm -hmm. sales. And that's like one thing that I love within my community is I'm always like, get the stuff cheap. Don't pay full price kind of thing. So I am all about sales where I think, the line has to be drawn and more clarity needs to be given is I personally have not lost a husband. Um, I have not lost my husband, father, son, daughter, while they're serving our country. I have not experienced that. What I can say is I have, I can't even count how many friends who are living that reality. And in speaking Mm. to them who who should matter most because they are the ones that Memorial Day is about, like keeping them, helping them keep those service members' legacies alive. And speaking to them, they can't stand it. That it it hurts them. It whenever they hear the term happy Memorial Day, it's nails on a chalkboard. So for me, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm I want to, you know, spread the spread the good sales and stuff. But I feel so deeply and passionately for my friends who have lost their husbands and wives who were serving our country. So for me, my, I personally don't post them because of my military affiliation. And and I'm just in a unique point because of kind of my military background and and now being military. So that is why I choose not to post them. However, for individuals like yourself and other bloggers who don't necessarily like have that affiliation, I think the most honorable and most respected thing you could possibly do is before the sales start. And this kind of goes back to my like doing this all year long, not just around Memorial Day, not just Veterans Day. Before Mm -hmm. you start, you know, a month, a month, a few weeks before you start, like, educating people on what Memorial Day actually means and maybe highlighting and spotlighting a few families who have lost their husbands or sons or daughters um, Mm -hmm. fighting for our country, you know, like kind of using the opportunity to teach people what this day actually means while also saying, you know what, and in honor of them, I'm going to share some sales with you because, you know, this is also what I'm passionate about, but it's not like you're downplaying what the day actually means. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. To go into your second question, first, the person who said that needs to, I won't <laughs> say that on your podcast, but it's just, I, oh, one thing that my husband and I always tell each other whenever we're going through like a tricky situation that kind of has multiple views on it, we mm-hmm. always ask ourselves, what is the intention of that person? That mm-hmm. answer should help drive your response. So, and I say that to say your mother or mother-in-law doing those things is not to upset a service member who lost their 
husband or son or daughter or wife, whatever. Right. She is doing that to honor her sons who both tragically lost their lives. That is her intention. She is Mm -hmm. not doing it to, you know, downplay anybody else's. And so that, that kind of principle, like what is the intention of that person is something that my husband and I really try to carry on through many things that we're like contemplating. So that's kind of my first. The second thing is the whole, the quote unquote holiday itself. Yes. Is about honoring our fallen men and women who have served our country. That is not to say that on that same day that all of those flags are raised for those men and women, that your mother-in-law and anybody who has lost somebody, including myself. So I lost my dad two years ago, who was the number one man in my life. Mm, And though he did not die serving our country, he like Memorial Day is a day about, you know, honoring people who have passed. And so like, I, I do feel a little bit heavier that day because of, you know, everything else that is going on. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so I'm sorry to you and your family for having oh, to even okay. respond to that. But oh, I, I just, just I, I appreciate your thoughts. So much. Well, I appreciate your thoughts. And I, I think that's so wise to say, you know, look at the intention of that absolutely. person. Yeah. And that's a really wise way to respond and to think through those situations. So yeah. I love that. Okay, I really want to ask you about kids, raising kids in military (laughs) families, what that's like, what you guys have learned, how your kids have dealt with that, what advice you have, all the things. Yeah, so uh, the the resiliency thing, as I said from the very beginning, is is it's so amazing. So we just moved four months ago from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where we were at for four years, to now Fort Mm -hmm. Leavenworth, Kansas, which um, we've been here for four months, and. I have a four and a two year old who um, are not old enough to have like deep rooted friendships. Of course, they're, you know, four and two, they have toddler friendships, but they're Mm -hmm. also old enough to notice that we just left our house that we've been in their whole lives and moved to a new house. You know, it's a very tricky situation and I'm not going to lie. It's the hardest thing for me. My oldest daughter has mild autism and is in a lot of therapies and Mm. having to pick up and leave the therapists who have poured so much into her life and now moved to a new location. And we're with new therapists now. um, It's just been really hard for her to understand. And she continuously asks for her old ones. And that's probably one of the hardest things for me because I can't, she's not cognitively there yet for me to be able to explain like the military lifestyle and that Mm -hmm. this is unfortunately going to keep happening for probably the next 10 years because we do leave Kansas here in another eight months to move to another location, which we don't even know where that location is. And um, I've spoken to a couple of my girlfriends who are kind of in the same boat, but have kids at different ages. And we've, t- we've spoken about like, is it easier when they're younger or older? Where mm-hmm. is, and a lot of my girlfriends have said when they're older, it's harder for the kids because they then have built relationships with friends and they're playing sports and they have those like deep rooted friendships and then they're having to move away. And it's harder for them as they get older. So that's something I'm very passionate and have such a soft heart about for my girlfriends and um, guy friends that have kids that are older and in high school and they have to move constantly. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah, just that I would imagine it would be harder for older kids. I mean, I actually moved around a fair amount until I was 10 years old. We moved 
every year or two. Yeah. And so I totally remember we moved from Salt Lake to Portland to Issaquah to Kirkland to Spokane to Utah. So it was really every year or two. And I don't know if this is helpful at all. I've talked about it a little bit before on the podcast, but (laughs) my dad always framed that in such a positive way. He was like, Corinne, moving is so exciting. Yeah. Like you get all new friends. You get to start fresh. If anything happened that you were embarrassed about or <laughs> you had any bad blood with anyone or whatever, it all goes away and you get a fresh start. So I always thought moving was exciting. And yeah. I still kind of feel like I still embrace change yeah. now. And it's funny, like my husband who was born and raised and stayed in the same <laughs> house his whole life growing up, he struggles with change because he that's just wasn't a part of his life. So yeah. I think that it's a gift yeah. that you're giving to your kids of resiliency, but I'm sure it's super hard. No, I, I love that. And that's actually, that's so cool that you say that because when people who are not, I try not to be a negative Nancy kind of person. And, but I also try to be as real as possible when people that um, ask when, when anybody asks me that question, you know, how is it to move so much? The one thing I do, I love, I think, and it comes from just being around, being in such a diverse location when I was growing up. I love being able to experience so many different places around the country. We've been to, uh, Kentucky, Alabama, New Jersey, New York, Washington, North Carolina, back to Alabama, and now to Kansas, all because of the military. And I don't know that I would have you know, lived, not just visited, but lived in all of those different states had it not been mm-hmm. for the military. So I'm so grateful for that. And I do try to uh, tell that to other friends and family who are living this lifestyle that that is something to be grateful for. So yeah, I totally agree. And thank you for sharing that. I love that mindset. Yeah, I think it's really, really cool that you guys get to show that to your kids and and just teach them about adapting to new things. Absolutely. And, you know, doing hard things because I think that will really help them as adults. So I want to ask you if people want to um, be involved or be supportive, you mentioned earlier just a little bit, some of the organizations that you like, what else? Like if, okay, so for example, we live pretty close to Camp Pendleton, but I don't really know. We live close enough that I could be helping down there, but I really have only done it when our church has given us opportunities. So how else can we find ways to be helpful or just even make friendships or, or serve that community? Yeah, no, I love that. So there's first, we live in a generation of, you know, a social media generation right now, and there's so much that can be learned and shared through social media. So first, just using, you know, the platforms that we all know, whether it's listening to military podcasts or, uh, finding fellow military bloggers that, mm-hmm. you know, share about their life and that you can offer assistance to like, that's, that's one place to start. And that most of us are familiar with the second, and this is kind of like layers. The next layer is yes. Um, doing something for one of those more big box organizations that does things for the community, does things for the military active duty and veteran population. So a few that I love, and this is just a number of all the ones that are out there. There is a Legacies Alive, which honors fallen men and women. There is Team Red, White, and Blue, which almost every single military base, I think, has a Team Red, White, and Blue organization associated with it. Um, one of my good friends, Abby Ray, started a magazine called Legacy Magazine, and it is a 
wonderful, beautiful publication that honors um, military families. It's specifically, but what I love about it is though it honors and is supposed to help military families that just has so many good life lessons in it. So Legacy Magazine is a really cool publication. Um, we have Mission 31. There is Wounded Warrior Project. So that's kind of the next later is, is Googling and finding an organization that you could either donate to or see if there's something in your local community that you could work with. And then the mm-hmm. third layer deep would be to actually like physically volunteer somewhere. And that is where... I talk about not just doing like the Veterans Day Memorial Day stuff, but finding something that you could do maybe, you know, um, once a month or something like that. And that's would be given you are close to some sort of military base. And my biggest suggestion is if you do live close enough to a military base that you could do something like that, get the kids involved. Cause I think it's really cool for yeah. kids to see that kind of stuff. And the best people to contact would probably be ACS on that military installation, which is army community service okay. or the MWR program, which is the military. Uh, I don't know what the, I can't think of what the acronym stands for right now, but both of those organizations would probably be able to, kind of guide you to the right spots to be able to volunteer and support. And then um, the kids, anybody that has kids in school, most schools have a junior ROTC program. So I guarantee Mm -hmm. you if the kids wanted to do something, they could ask the JROTC instructors if they know anything in the local area or even just volunteering with the JROTC program is another way to, um, while they're not actively in the military, they obviously have a passion for the military too. So that's another cool way to get involved as well. Awesome. I love those suggestions. And we'll put as many of those as we can find in the show notes. Perfect. So people can go to mintarrow.com slash podcast and find the show notes for this episode when that. it comes out. Or if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can just tap on the episode and it will we'll put links to everything that you mentioned. Perfect. That, all the links that we can find, we'll put them in there. <laughs> um, okay. There's one question that I like to ask people that I would like to ask you. And that question is, if there's one message that people remember from this what do you want that one message to be? It's deep and powerful. <laughs> <laughs> this translates to every aspect of my life. And I really try to, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different upbringings. We all have different views and beliefs and religions. And there's there's just so many differences between all of us. But I hope and pray that through my Instagram platform, I like to say that it's my way of being the hands and feet of Jesus mode, that I can just shed light on somebody's ability to be at their ultimate rock bottom and kind of going along with where I felt like I could not survive in this military career. And it translates into every aspect of my life, whether it was my marriage, whether it's in motherhood, I can feel like a complete failure, but you have the ability to rise and you have the the ability to regain confidence and regain composure and to love yourself and respect yourself and to come out of that situation and to break free from any chains of bondage, whether that is to that lack of confidence I had or the 
being fearful of confrontation or us on the verge of divorce or me feeling like I'm feeling at motherhood, whatever it is, I hope and pray that through my platform and through this podcast and through anything that I do in life that I can be the hands and feet of Jesus to say like, you can come out and continue to live a beautiful, healthy, happy life. And it is okay to admit those faults and it's okay to fall short and be vulnerable and transparent and Mm -hmm. still be the person that you are at the end of the day. And I hope that I'm able to share that message throughout everything I do in life. I love that so much. That's a beautiful, powerful message. And I really, I've already, just in the small amount of time that I've been following you, have seen those messages and seen that light that you share with others. So I'm really grateful for that and grateful for your boldness and your, um, just your openness with sharing everything you've shared today and the things that you share with your community. I really, I'm super grateful for that. So if people loved what they heard today, and I know so many people will, and so many people are already following you, but if they're not, and they found you through this podcast today, where can people find you and continue to follow along? your journey. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on this. And again, to any of the followers that recommended me, I'm humbled, but thank you so much. Um, If you do want to continue following my journey of failures and mess ups and trying to become a better person, I am at Amy Lou Hawthorne on Instagram. And then our business page is at the Everco. And then at both of those pages, you can find direct links to our website, which is where I blog and our shop sells some cool stuff every now and then. And yeah, that's basically where I live my online life. (laughs) Awesome. And we'll link to those places too in the show notes. So thanks again, Amy, for just being so open and vulnerable and sharing so many meaningful messages with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.